Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. by Phoebe Gray. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would have approved of the 26th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Community Breakfast held in his honor at the Belmont High School on Monday, the holiday honoring his life. The uh, Belmont High School cafeteria was filled with hundreds of residents of all ages, genders, ethnicities, and races conversing about equality, immigration, and community. The event organized by Belmont Against Racism kicked off with a performance of an original song, Anyone Else, by the Chenery Middle School's BASEC Records Choral Group. The song touched upon the challenges of immigration and the effects that it has on people and families. The song ended with the BASEC Records singers questioning, what have something to say? Does anyone else? We, excuse me, we have something to say. Does anyone else? This year's keynote speaker was Dr. Regina Shaw, a clinical professor of law at Suffolk University Law School and the founder and director of the immigration clinic there. Shah, whose parents immigrated from India to North Carolina in 1968, spoke about how the actions and beliefs of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. during the Civil Rights Movement can apply to the immigration crisis facing the United States today. Shah's, Shah's summoned up her message with a quote from uh, Dr. King, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. She explained that there are many ways to follow King's example of civil disobedience to combat injustice, saying, if sit-ins sit are not your thing, engage in legislative reform. Dr. Shah received a wild uh, round of applause from the crowd, leading to a complex follow-up questions from the audience. To close out the event, uh, Belmont High School Alumni uh, Lee Grace Swinson, who now attends the Berkeley School of Music, performed What's Going On by Marvin Gaye and then led the crowd in a sing-along of Lift Every Voice. Attendees remarked on the thought that Shaw left the audience to ponder as she exited the podium. It is our charge to ensure that our destiny is more than the one we were handed. Attendees also provided enthusiastic responses to the sentiment expressed at the breakfast and said that, that after the and said that after gathering to consider Dr. King's message, the Belmont community seems ready to continue shaping its own destiny. And now on to my colleague Claire. Thank you, Bob. Belmont celebrates the Year of the Rat by Joanna K. Juvalis. The Belmont Chinese American Association celebrated the Year of the Rat on the uh, 
at the Chenery Middle School on January 19th with a cultural festival and a New Year gala. A crowd of at least 1,000 people attended the festival where there was a dance of the dragon and lion as well as demonstrations of art, a dance from toddlers called Little Mouse Loves You, as well as um, uh, food tasting. Following the festival, 200 performers entertained an audience of 500 with Chinese dancing, singing, magic, and many other talents. Select Board Vice Chairman Adam Dash, Select Member Roy Epstein, Senator William Brownsberger, State Representative David Rogers, participated in the festival and gala. I really enjoyed the lion dance and the children dancing and singing. It is an honor to be included in the event and to learn about Chinese culture. Belmont is stronger due to its diversity, and the Chinese community is a strong and valued part of that, said Dash. According to the United States Census Bureau's American Community Survey results, Belmont's Chinese population has been steadily growing. In 2018, there were approximately 2,500 Chinese residents in Watertown, about 9.5% of the total Belmont population, a growth of 3.5% since 2010. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Focusing on the Youth in Town by Phoebe Gray. The Belmont Youth Commission was first introduced in 2002, but was cut due to budget restraints 10 years ago. It was reinstated this past year and is hoping to grow the program to be even more successful than the commission was previously. However, the focus of the Youth Commission remains the same, to create fun events that can serve as creative outlets for the youth of Belmont. The Youth Commission is comprised of a board of voting members appointed by the Select Board. The Belmont Citizen Herald recently reached out to the youth coordinator of the Belmont Youth Commission, Tiana Watson, to learn more about their goals. What are the main goals that the Belmont Youth Commission hopes to achieve? Our overall goal is to promote community wellness by focusing on youth and family issues. We hope to achieve this by creating inclusive events and advocating and giving advice on behalf of the youth in Belmont. Our youth face so many adversities, especially today, and we strive to ensure that they, they feel as though they are involved and proud of their community here in Belmont. What type of Youth Commission events can the community look forward to in the future? We are hard at work creating fun events for the coming year. We hope, hope to offer more events as part of the Cops and Kids series. We have unique ideas for community art expression, ice cream socials, gaming events, and are even working on trying to bring back our drop-in center. We are always looking for new ideas if anyone would like to bring them to our attention, and all of our events will be posted on our Facebook page. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Trump opens possibility of making Medicare cuts by Alan Rappaport and Maggie Haber Haberman. President Trump suggested on Wednesday that he would be willing to consider cuts to Social Security safety net programs like Medicare uh, to reduce the federal deficit if he wins a second term, an apparent shift from his 2016 campaign promise to protect funding from such entitlements. The president made the comments on the sidelines of the World Economic Forum in Davos, uh, Switzerland. Despite promises to reduce the federal budget deficit, 
It has ballooned under Mr. Trump's watch as a result of sweeping tax cuts and additional government spending. Asked in an interview with the CNBC if cuts to entitlements would ever be on the plate, Mr. Trump answered yes. At some point, they will be, Mr. Trump said, before pointing to United States economic growth. At the same time, we will take a look at that. Mr. Trump suggested that curbing spending on Medicare, the government health care program for the elderly, was a possibility. We're going to look, he said. The interview left many questions unanswered, including whether Mr. Trump would consider touching Social Security or which part of Medicare he would be willing to shave. The president veered from answering the question about entitlements to talking about the robustness of the American economy and how his policies have helped alleviate poverty and boost jobs for minorities, perhaps suggesting that the need for entitlement programs at their present levels had waned. The president has already proposed cuts for some safety net programs. His last budget proposal called for a total of $1.9 trillion in cost savings from mandatory safety net programs like Medicaid and Medicare. It also called for spending $26 billion less on Social Security programs, the Federal Retirement Program, including a $10 billion cut to Social Security Disability Insurance Program, which provides benefits to disabled workers. Spending on Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid is expected to cost the federal government more than $30 trillion through 2029, according to the Congressional Budget Office. Mr. Trump's willingness to consider such cuts marks a shift from four years ago when he stood, uh, when he stood out in the field of deficit-minded Republicans in the 2016 primary race with a promise to shield entitlements from cuts. In a tweet in May of 2015, a month before he formally began his campaign, Mr. Trump discussed another Republican, re, Republican's promise to keep entitlements intact, former Governor Mike Huckabee of Arkansas. Huckabee is a nice guy, but will never be able to bring in the funds so as not to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, Mr. Trump tweeted, I will. In his formal campaign announcement that year, he said save Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security without cuts. Have to do it. Get rid of the fraud, get rid of the waste and abuse, but save it. Democrats are also wrangling over entitlement programs, which among are among the fastest-growing federal expenses. Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont and former Vice President Joseph R. Biden, Jr., have been arguing for days over Mr. Biden's past comments about cuts to Social Security, a reminder of how sensitive the issue is uh, for voters. Republicans have largely avoided talking about rolling back entitlement programs since Mr. Trump became president, assuming that doing so would be a non-starter. Following the $1.5 trillion tax cut that the Republicans passed in 2017, some suggested that they would quickly turn to reduce the cost of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Those ideas gained little traction, and federal spending has continued to grow. The Treasury Department has last, uh, said last week that the federal budget deficit 
surpassed $1 trillion in 2019. It was the first calendar year since 2012 that the deficit topped that threshold. To help finance deficits, which require the government to sell debt, the Treasury Department plans to begin issuing 20-year bonds. Other Trump administration officials have been careful in discussing the need to cut spending on entitlement programs. Treasury Secretary Stephen K. Mnuchin demurred earlier this month when pressed on CNBC about how to scale back spending on entitlements. And now over to Claire. Thanks, Bob. The schools seek children in need of special education services. The Belmont Public Schools are working to locate, identify, and evaluate any child residing in a home, facility, or residence within its geographical boundaries, aged 3 through 22 years, who may have a disability and be in need of special education or 504 services. This includes children who are not in school, those who are in public, private, or home school, those who are highly mobile, such as children who are migrant or homeless, and those who are advancing from grade to grade who may need but are not receiving special education services. The Belmont Public Schools will make sure any child enrolled in its district who qualifies for special education or 504 services, regardless of how severe the disability, is provided appropriate special education or 504 service at no cost to the parents or the child. Parents, relatives, public and private agency employees, and concerned citizens are urged to help the Belmont Public Schools find any child who may have a disability and need special ed or 504 service. The district needs to know the following items, name and age or date of birth of the child, the name, address, and phone number of the parents or guardian, the possible disability, and other information to determine if special education or services are needed. Letters and phone calls are some of the ways the Belmont Public School collects the information needed. The information the school district collects will be used to contact the parents of the child and find out if the child needs to be evaluated or referred for a special education service. If you know of a child who lives within the Belmont Public School District who may have a disability and may need but is not receiving special education or services, call the Belmont Public Schools Student Service Department at 617-993-5440. Again, 617-993-5440. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Curiosity Enlivens This Cat by Dana Thomas. A rumor began to circulate after the Chanel designer Karl Lagerfeld died last February at age 85. He had left his fortune and a large part of his worldly goods to his Berman cat, Choupette. The estate hasn't been settled yet, and Mr. Lagerfeld's team remains mum on the subject. But the public's concern for the desolate puss was re- genuine. Quote, people came by the store and said how sad they were, and half of it was about Choupette. Caroline Labar, the longtime head of communications for the Carl Lagerfeld brand in Paris, recalled earlier this month, they'd say, if she's alone, I'll take her home. Since then, fans have continued to inquire, how is Choupette? Where is Choupette? 
It's like unlocking a mystery, said Stephen Gann, editor of V Magazine. What happened to Choupette? According to Ms. Labar, she, quote, she lives with her nanny, the former Lagerfeld housekeeper Françoise Sacotte, here in Paris. She is in good shape and surrounded by love. She is also very busy, and her agent, Lucas Berullier of My Pet Agency in Paris, she comes to the agency on occasion, and we do photos here for her Instagram account, said Mr. Berullier, and Ms. Ms. Cassotte debuted on Choupette's birthday last summer. We have beautiful projects celebrating Choupette. Choupette was born August 15, 2011, a Leo, like Coco Chanel. Her fur color has been compared to baked Alaska, and Mr. Lagerfeld declared her eyes were like star sapphires. She originally belonged to Baptiste Giabiconi, the French model and Lagerfeld friend. He received the 10-week-old kitten as a birthday gift from friends who knew he loved Bermans. He named her Choupette, a common nickname in French for cute girls, he said in a recent interview. That Christmas, Mr. Giabiconi went to Marseille to see his mother, and he asked Mr. Lagerfeld to cat-sit. At first, Mr. Lagerfeld was hesitant. The fur! But he th then he acquiesced, since cats take care of themselves, Mr. Giabiconi recalled the designer saying. When Mr. Giabiconi returned, he brought Choupette home, and Mr. Lagerfeld went into a deep funk. He was angry, Mr. Giabiconi said. He wouldn't speak to me. After a week of reflection, it became clear to me that Choupette brought Carl great joy. Mr. Giabiconi went to Mr. Lagerfeld's apartment on the Quai Voltaire and knocked on the door. When Mr. Lagerfeld opened it, Mr. Giabiconi handed over the kitten. No one could give me a more beautiful gift, he recalled Mr. Lagerfeld saying. She has brought sunshine to my life. But Mr. Lagerfeld wanted to change her name. He thought Choupette was ugly, Mr. Giabiconi said. I said that's a mistake. Choupette works in every language. Ah, yes, it's true. And now it's taken on a life of its own. Thanks to Mr. Gann, follow Following dinner together in Paris in January 2012, Mr. Lagerfeld invited Mr. Gann to his apartment to meet Choupette. I thought, what? Carl has a cat? He was the last person I thought would get a pet, Mr. Gann said. But sure enough, there was Choupette sitting primly next to a bouquet of roses. Mr. Gann whipped out his phone and took a picture and posted it on V Magazine's Twitter feed. Meet Choupette. It went viral. Soon enough, there were Instagram accounts dedicated to Choupette. Glossy magazine spreads featuring Choupette, usually photographed by Mr. Lagerfeld. A makeup line by Shu Wumera called Choupette. A novelty book titled Choupette, The Private Life of a High-Flying Fashion Cat, and loads of other things. In 2015 alone, she pulled in more than $3 million. Chanel Collections suddenly included a new shade dubbed Choupette Blue, and the Karl Lagerfeld brand put out a range of Choupette face handbags. As her fame grew, so did her entourage. She has two minders, including Miss Chacot, as well as a bodyguard, a doctor, and a chef. Do you know Velasquez painting Las Meninas with the Infanta Margarita surrounded by servants? Mr. Lagerfeld once was quoted as saying, by Harper's Bazaar, that's Choupette. She traveled with Mr. Lagerfeld, preferably flying private. He designed a Louis Vuitton carrier bag for her, 
as well as a Goyard case for her silver dishes and brushes. Their last excursion was in December 2018 to New York for Chanel's Métier d'Art show at the Metropolitan Museum, Museum of Art. They lodged at the Mercer Hotel in Soho and received friends for drinks in the lobby. Choupette changed Carl's life, said Amanda Harlech, Mr. Lagerfeld's style consultant at Chanel. He couldn't believe how happy she made him, nor how she loved being by his side, even sleeping on his head. He would watch her for hours. She's a very powerful young lady, Miss C., she added. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Nominate your favorite businesses. <clears throat> Wicked Local is providing uh, their readers the opportunity to shine a spotlight on your favorite local businesses by nominating them for a 2020 Wicked Local Reader's Choice Award. The awards recognize exceptional local businesses in 81 categories that are voted by readers of Wicked Local Publications. The 2020 winners will be showcased in the Reader's Choice Special section, which will be distributed in over 50 Wicked Local newspapers and online at wickedlocalfavorites.com, providing them media exposure to hundreds of thousands of readers. Readers not only get to, to spread the word about their favorite businesses, they also have a chance uh, at winning $1,000 uh, worth of uh, American Express gift cards just for voting for their uh, favorite area businesses. The Reader's Choice Awards provide our readers uh, the chance to have their voices heard and to give much-deserved recognition to the small businesses that are the lifeblood of our economy, said Peter Meyer, the regional vice president of Gannett, New England. Voting for the uh, Reader's Choice Awards is, is open now, and it runs through uh, February the 23rd. Nominations can be made online at wickedlocal.com slash Reader's Choice. And now on to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Belmont Women's Club Turns 100 by Joanna K. Juvelis. The Belmont Women's Club officially turned 100 on January 16th. Club members celebrated with a dinner at Patu Restaurant in Belmont Center. Select Board Vice Chairman Adam Dash presented the club with a proclamation from the town in honor of the club's 100th anniversary. The proclamation states, The Belmont Women's Club was founded in 1920, the same year women won the right to vote and became enfranchised in public life. It also states in 1927, the Belmont Women's Club purchased the 1853 William Flagg Homer House to save it from destruction and redevelopment, and in 2010, the club donated the land to a land trust to protect against future development. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Classics Book Group, 1.30 p.m., February 5th. The Classics Book Group will discuss the novel Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen in the Flett Room of the Belmont Public Library. This novel has delighted generations of readers with, unforgettable ca with its unforgettable cast of characters, carefully choreographed plot, and an entertaining view of the world and its absurdities. With the arrival of eligible young men in their neighborhood, the lives of Mr. and Mrs. Bennett and their five daughters are turned upside down. Misconceptions and hasty judgments lead to heartache, but eventually the main characters arrive at true understanding, self-knowledge, and love. 
In Pride and Prejudice, Austin balances comedy with seriousness and witty observation with profound insight. The Classics Book Group meets on the first Wednesday of every other month at 1.30 p.m. in the Flett Room. All are welcome to attend. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.